0: God is at work through His local church and through the teaching of His Word. This morning on MyBridge Radio, we are pleased to share a favorite message from Christ Place. Here's Pastor Rick Lorimer. What on earth am I here for? And I, I think we need to say it. I said it with some, some being emphatic. What on earth am I here for? And uh, and think about this. You're alive in this. Now you've heard this word probably so much you're sick of it. Unprecedented times. Of all the people that could be alive, that could be leading their family, could be creating culture in the workplace, attending a school, uh, growing up in a dysfunctional family, why did God allow you to be that gift? Why is God wanting you to be alive in this time? Matter of fact, I think we need to drill down on it. To maximize being here on earth, we have to hear what we're here for, and that starts with us understanding what on earth we're here for from God. We have to hear from God. The organ of faith is our ear, the ear that, that is part of our soul where we're leaning in and we're listening to God. Such, such a big deal. Now, I was on a hunting trip. Um, boy, I wanna say, oh, a couple of years back, and uh, my boys were telling me that I'm not very good on the phone, I'm thinking, what do you mean I'm not very good on the phone? Well, they said, Dad, you're just, it's kind of awkward to talk to you on the telephone. I'm thinking, I'm great on the phone. So I got to say, I guess when I realized something about myself, it wasn't that I realized it. It's that my kids helped me realize it. And how do you know when they're in groups, they, they kind of gang up on the parents kind of deal, you know, especially when they're old enough. Um, and so they're, they're telling me, man, yeah, Dad, here's the thing. You're really abrupt. It's kind of unnerving. You you don't spend time easing into a conversation, you kind of go straight for the juggler, and then before we can actually have any comments, it's like, you're off. It's like, bye, boom. And it's really unnerving. So uh, I kind of, you know, started thinking about that, and I, I think, so I, I try to be better on the phone, but I'm, if I'm going to be like really honest, I just don't like being on the phone. <laughs> I'm not, i just not, I'm kind of, like give me the give me the highlight reel, you know, and I'm done, kind of deal. Is there anybody else, do you just, are you kind of that way, you don't like being on the phone? Thank you, I'm not alone. It is so good to know, I, I'm not alone with that. Now, if, if you look back, though, in my life, I, I haven't always been that way. I mean, there was a time where I looked forward to being on the phone. Do you know there was a day when your cell phone didn't follow you? As a matter of fact, there was a day when each household had a singular number that came from a landline. Blow my mind, huh? A landline? Yeah, and in most of those homes, not that long ago, there was usually just one phone per house. I mean, you were really moving up in the world if you had multiple phones in the house. Now, I brought you one of those kind of phones, and this one's now... Some of you think this is like this needs to be in the museum, but it's not that old. This is a rotary telephone. And most households had one, had some kind of form of these. And you really were like growing in your technology if you added a longer cord. Because that way you could walk to another room where nobody was. Come on. Some of you are feeling that. You know this. It's so funny. I, okay. I wish the other cameras could see this because I'm seeing faces. I have my younger people in the audience are like, what? Like, are you from another universe? Yeah. I mean, that was technology back then. And they eventually had, they had these push buttons eventually. And then from there, they had phones that could hang on the wall. So you could eventually have more than one phone in a house. But for the longest time, you were just cool to have a phone in the house. And if your phone was like in the kitchen or the living room and it, was, and it rang, there was no voicemail, there was no voice messages. They didn't, have, they didn't have recording machines back then for that. Matter of fact, if you were upstairs in your bedroom, guess what you did? You had to run downstairs to get the phone, why? Because somebody could be calling you. Was such a novel idea. I remember, I was just a baby, by the way, when these were around, okay? But um, watch it, all right? Um, and, and I can remember the phone ringing. And I just, I had to, I had to watch my sisters. You know, they were, all, they were like, oh, they're always on the phone. Like, Hi, George. You know, I don't know, whatever. But, I mean, they were always on the phone. It was a big deal. And I thought, man, it'd be so cool someday if somebody calls me. And so the first time my sisters cried out and said, Rick, it's for you. It was like, oh, for me, you know? And it was so fun to know that the call was for me. Well, it may seem silly, but the word call that we get can be trans, can be actually followed all the way back to the Greek and literally the fact that God has a call for you. God has a call for you. This call that God wants to speak into your life has to do with a thing called your calling your calling now if you have your bibles i want you to turn with me to romans chapter 8 come on somebody we love scripture romans chapter 8 and listen to these words that paul is using speaking to the christians in rome we know that for those who love god all things work together for the good does that not sound amazing and we usually stop there as christians oh everything's gonna work together for the good but we fail to look at what it's connected to, what, it's, what stipulates that working together for the good and what loving God looks like. Look what it says here. For those who are called, what? I want to hear you, what? Called according to his purpose. Going on in verse 29, it says, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined. To be conformed to the image of his son. That's discipleship. In order that he might be the firstborn among brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also what? Called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. Now, what I want to focus on this weekend is the word called. The word called. In the Greek, the word is kaleo, kaleo. Say kaleo. kaleo. Do you even see our kind of, you can even hear the sound calling that, kaleo. And it literally means God is calling you. It has to do with your assignment in life. It has to do with your mission and purpose in life. The problem with us understanding our calling from God, that God, this calls for you and for me, is that we've kind of lost the translation of calling and the calling that God has for our life. And earlier in the English, in, in, in earlier times, a word that really kind of brought with the the uh, the intention of calling was the word vocation. How many of you heard the word vocation? It comes from the Latin, vocare, which has to do with calling. But as time has gone on and we've become very industrial and we, we've really become about our careers, we've lost really the, the understanding of calling. So I, the reason why I'm bringing this all up is because I want you to understand there is a difference between your calling and your career. Make note of that if you're taking notes because some people don't understand that. They assume my calling, is, my career is my calling. No, it's sometimes the farthest thing from the fact. Your, your calling is different. Your calling is far more significant It's far larger, far more all-encompassing than your career. And because we've lost a sense of vocation, we've lost a sense of calling, and we've developed a society that is all about someday growing up and having a career. And sometimes our career really fits our calling, and sometimes it doesn't. Because when we usually pick our careers, we're not always thinking of our calling. Many of us actually, we don't give our lives to Jesus and actually have a relationship with God until after we're already well along in a career. So then tension arises and we begin to assume, well, I guess my job is my calling. And and it's not necessarily. And the reason why it's so important that we understand this is because if we're not careful, we buy into a very secular mindset and we think our career makes a life. No, a career makes a living. A calling makes a life. And until we really understand that, we can live very frustrated lives, very frustrated marriages, because we keep thinking that we're going to be fulfilled in our career. Well, no, you're going to be fulfilled in your calling. In many ways, our careers fund our calling. I've had multiple priorities that have varied throughout my quote career but my calling has never changed and I have loved every facet and stage of my life why because I didn't expect that job or that career to make me happy see I understood that that a career makes a living but a calling makes the life Imagine what your marriage could be, what your your workplace could be, what your school life could be. If you quit looking and putting the expectations on those things to be what brings fulfilling in your life. Come on. But it becomes about your calling. Man, see, my heart is the heart of the Apostle Paul. When he wrote the Ephesians in chapter 1, verse 18, he says this. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light. Brilliant light so that you can understand The confident hope he has given to those he called. His holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. See, understand your calling. And when you start understanding your calling, you begin to have this confident hope. Folks, I can't tell you how freeing this is because it's not based on your personality. It's not based on what other people think of you that this confident hope rises above it all. It's a third way, but it has everything to do with you understanding the hope that comes from your calling. And then these words, glorious, some translations say the riches of this inheritance. This is what God wants for his people. So what I wanna do now and then for the next few minutes is I wanna give you three things we need to understand about our calling. Here's the very first one. Are you ready for this? You got to know that I'm called for God's purpose. Come on, I'm called for God's purpose. We read that in Romans 8. A called according to God's purpose. I I, I know this seems kind of obvious, but in our culture, and specifically in the Western culture of the church, church has become very much a consumer thing. People want to go to a church that does what they want it to do. They want want the church to be all about them. And I don't mean to be rude. And I'm not trying to be uh, obnoxious here. But God never created you to live a selfish life. God never created you to have myopic vision where you think everything is about you. Your marriage wasn't made to make you happy. That job was never about making you happy. World's not this, God created you not so you would be enthralled with you. Now this feels contrary to our culture because everything is about me, 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 me. See, you were made by God and you were made for God. You were made for you. And when you try to make life about you, you're going to be so frustrated. Your marriage is not going to work. Your job is never going to make you happy because God didn't create you to just be about you. So you're trying to function in a way that you never were created for. Do you understand that dynamic? That God created you for something much bigger than yourself. And it's only when you understand that, that fulfillment and credibility, confident hope, takes anchor deep in your soul, and your life takes on a new dimension. See, my calling is about God's purpose. I'm called for God's purpose. God's calling about his plan, not my plans. His purpose for my life, not my purposes for my life, not my parents' purpose, not my spouse's purpose, not my boss's purpose. It's about God's purpose for my life. And this brings me to the second thing I want you to know about your calling, that I have a unique calling from God. See that kaleo, kaleo, that calling. There's a general kaleo for the body of Christ, but there's also a personal kaleo calling that's just for you. This is for you. And God wants you to know how your calling is unique. Why? Because in that is when you begin to understand what your life is all about. I love how this is expressed in Ephesians chapter two. For we are God's masterpiece. First of all, this, let's just kind of digest this masterpiece. It's, in the Greek, it's language. It's just, you're this beautiful piece of poetry that God is wanting to put on display that you could think of even a painting and you're this canvas and, and, and God is painting something that is the, to be shown to the world. You're, you're his masterpiece. You're a Rembrandt. Some of you say, yeah, I'm no rim band, man. There's no way. My life is a mess. That's, see, that makes you such a candidate because God loves taking a mess and making it a message. God loves taking what it, the world has tried to screw up. What you have got maybe messed up and he creates something beautiful. You are a masterpiece. You say, no, Rick, I'm junk. If you knew what I've done, if you've known the people I've hurt, if you've known the relationships I've been, I've, I've had, We could go on. You say, Rick, I'm no masterpiece. I'm junk. You need to know something. God doesn't make junk. And the Holy Spirit doesn't live in junk. That you have this unique calling from God. And we have to remind ourselves of this because everything in this world wants you to conform to what they're calling you to be like. Whether we're talking about politics or we're talking about issues at the workplace or we're talking about your relationships and your friendships or what you look like as a parent, You know, the way you were raised, now your parents, you think you've got to, it's natural by default because it's all you've ever seen. You start kicking and being like them. No, you're unique. And you have to cry out for that. And you've got to be able to be the kind of person that stands up for it and says, no, I'm going to be unique. I mean, when Jesus stretched out his hands on the cross, it wasn't so you would go through life conforming to everyone else's plans. He loved you this much and died. At any time, he could have pulled himself off the cross and said, "Enough of this foolish people who are just bunch pieces of junk, rubbish." No, you are his masterpiece. Because of this, as a matter of fact, it's only in understanding your calling that the clarity is restored to your eyes that you are a masterpiece. Your very DNA illustrates this, my friends. There's no single human being on planet Earth. Come on, there's not one like you. And if we go back to that verse earlier about being a masterpiece, it says to do the good works that he he planned long ago. This is really important because you're not, you were never created to just always get. God created you to be a giver to be a contributor, to be someone who makes a difference in life. And those works, the problem is that all too often in religious circles, we start getting our identity in our works when we should get our identity from who made us a masterpiece. That was God. See, the works are the outflow of the inflow work of the Holy Spirit. But there are works to do. And some of us, we keep doing works that have nothing to do with being a masterpiece. That's where the career robs us of our time and our energy. And we're not understanding our calling. Come on. I'm praying light bulbs are going off on some of you here. Because if you can get a hold of your calling, it helps you begin to understand too what your job, some of the priorities may shift. The results you start looking for in your home, they shift. In your marriage, they shift. When you understand your calling, such a really important thing to know. I love how Paul drove this home in Galatians chapter 1, verse 15. He says, but even before I was born, Paul's talking, even before I was born, God chose me and called me by his marvelous grace. Now, here's a question for you. What did Paul do to deserve that calling? He murdered Christians. Those weren't the good works God planned. You see, God's calling is an illustration of God's grace to you. And and that's the way God is. He loves us where we are. He just loves us too much to leave us there. But, but our God starts there. And even before you've done anything for him, he still called you. He called you. I love how Jeremiah put this. Before I shaped you in the womb, I knew all about you. Before you saw the light of day, I had holy plans for you. Some of you say, Rick, that can't be right because my parents didn't even plan on having me and besides they they were gonna abort me or or you're you're just going through thoughts or you knew the home I grew up in. No, you don't don't understand. There may be accidental parents but there's no such thing as accidental babies. As soon as you were conceived, God said, I got you. I have a plan for you. What the enemy meant for evil, I'm gonna use for the good. That's who our God is. That's how much he loves you. God called you before you were born and he uniquely shaped you. I love that word. He shaped you. You're a, you're a custom made baby. You were a prescription baby for the world that we're living in right now. And some of us are on the sidelines and we're letting everybody else do the work. And God says, no, you're alive for such a time as this. And he wants you to know your calling. We have a memory verse this week. I'm going to encourage you. It's the next step for the message. Uh, here's, how, here's what it is. It's Isaiah 44:2. 2. Because you have to understand that God's hand is on your life. He says this in Isaiah 44, 2. I am your creator. You were, my, you were in my care before you were what? Born. You need to know, even though you've done things that you are ashamed of, God still has a calling for you. Paul did some wicked things. And God used him to write over half of the New Testament because he's a masterpiece. You're a masterpiece, my friend. It's not done yet, but you're getting ready to put on display. See, you have a unique calling. So what's the first thing? What? My calling is about whose purpose? Oh, come on, people. It was what? God's purpose. Second, my calling is unique. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm unique. I love that. Here's number three. My calling is connected to others. Some of you think here at Christ Place, we're just obnoxious about connect groups for the sake of being obnoxious about connect groups. No, we don't do connect groups because it's what we've always done because we haven't always done them. Uh, We do connect groups because we know God, that's one way God takes a large church and keeps it small. That we know that everything really needs to happen through relationships. And I want some of you to be patient. But we have to be connected to others. You see, you cannot fulfill. This is the thing people try to do. You cannot fulfill your calling without others. You just can't. And yet, we look back. Some of us seriously, let's just be real honest. We look back. How well do you know your church family? You see, you cannot fulfill your purpose in life by yourself. Calling and community go together. Kaleo and community go together together. For this call for you, God is saying you must be connected to one another. Just, I mean, just this is such an obvious, Jesus would use this illustration, the disciples would use this illustration, but we have this amazing physical bodies that we all have. And I, I, I don't quite understand it, but these eyes of ours, they're able to, to take light and transform that into images to our brain or trans, translate to our brain, which makes images from different light Again, I'm way out of my expertise. But here's what I do know. And I think you can understand this too, not being a doctor. Uh, if I pluck this eyeball out, it doesn't do a whole lot of good. And yet, this is what many of us are like. And you're missing your calling. Or take this ear. These ears, they hear sound waves. And it transforms to our brain. And, and actually makes sense of these different waves. Cut off this ear, though. And it doesn't do a whole lot of good. See, the body of Christ... You have all these different parts of your body, but all, if ever separated, they become useless. They become useless. I mentioned earlier in the message that the ear is the organ of faith. And while when I say that, I'm, I'm, I'm really referring more to the ear of our soul. The, the, there's, there's, a, there's a soulish ear when our heart hears, but, but usually it takes our physical ears. And the ear is the organ of faith. We don't live by sight. We live by faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So the ear is the organ of faith and it starts when you hear God tell you he loves you and he wants to forgive you of your sin. And sin just means you missed the mark that you've been trying to do life in your own power and, and you haven't given, surrendered your life to God and then God saved you. But after God saves you, guess what? He starts wanting to call you but some of us we haven't been listening if we're really honest there was this father who was traveling on a journey with his son this is before there was transportation and so they're walking and they're going through a wilderness and forest and and the father had great experience he'd kind of been this way before but the son this is all new to him it's like a whole new world and he wants to explore and he starts getting curious, curious. And so he says, Hey Dad, can I can I go over there and, and look what's what's beyond? I'm hearing like a sound of water. Can I go look at that? And the father says, Yeah, go. And the son starts, but then he stops. He thinks, whoa, <laughs> hey dad, I, I mean I'm getting I don't want to get lost. He says, okay, son, here's what I'll do. Every two minutes, I'm gonna call out your name really loud. And I want you to listen. And then I want you to call back to me. If you ever get so far that you don't hear my voice, you need to come back to where you can hear my voice again. Retrace your steps. And listen to me. Some of you, God's been calling, but you've been doing life so so long on your own. You're so locked into your career that you've lost your vocation, your You're calling from God. It's not that you're not saved. It's not that you don't have a relationship with Jesus. You know, in fact, the idea of receiving the call is completely dependent upon the hearer listening. Let's hear his voice. There are some of us here today, and you're far from God. And I'm not being rude when I say that. I've been there. Maybe you came to church hoping you'd find something out about Christianity. could be uh, someone promised you lunch. That's a good deal, you know? Uh, It may be you just grown up in church your whole life. But if you're honest, you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You gotta understand this. God didn't come and die for humanity and raise from the grave so we would have brands of religion. He did all that to have relationship with you. And salvation... Redemption is a lot like our calling. It's unconditional. There's nothing you can do that merits you receiving it. It's not what you do. It's what Christ has already done. He died for you. And he overcame death, hell, and the grave so you can overcome death, hell, and the grave. So when we give our lives to Jesus, we're asking him to forgive us of our sin and to separate how our past and present tries to control us to where we are surrendered to him. And there's some of you, you're just not right with God. And I want you to be honest with yourself. You know, that's really where faith starts. It's you being honest. And the next step of faith is you saying, okay, God, I'm not right with you, but I'm asking today. I'm asking today for your forgiveness. And if that's you, I want to pray with you. I wanna pray with you right now. And I'm gonna ask the whole church to pray this prayer. You're not gonna pray it alone. We as a church are gonna pray this prayer. It's not magic words. It's really about your heart being vulnerable. It's about you being honest and you being humble. The Bible tells us God resists the proud, but he gives grace, that unmerited favor to the humble. It's about being vulnerable. It's you about trying to connect with humility with your creator. So repeat this prayer with me. I'm gonna ask the whole church to pray this prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Thank you so much for loving me, for calling me. I confess that I have sinned against you, that I've sinned against others. And I'm asking today for your amazing forgiveness. And I'm leaning in to your resurrection power. That even as you raise Christ from the grave, you raise me for such a time as this. (laughs) And I welcome your calling too. And all of God's people agreed and said? Come on, church. It says in heaven, one person gives their life to God. It's a party in heaven. Put your hands together. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you for joining us this morning for a favorite message from Pastor Rick Lorimer from Christ Place. If you'd like to hear this message again or more like it, check out Heard On Air on the MyBridge Radio app or online at mybridgeradio.net.